Hi, this is Amanda. And this is Lindsay. We're True Creeps. Where the stories are true. And the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore. To the possibly plausible paranormal. To horrifying history. To tense and terrible true crime. And everything else that goes bump in the night. We want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Today, we are going to continue our talk on urban legends. Now, we've done a couple already. We've done Black Eyed Kids, Bloody Mary, Zozo, and we've had a lot of fun doing them. So we wanted to do some more. And we're going to continue to do more after this. There's so many. Yes, they're great. Yeah. So if you ever have a suggestion on one, there's so many out there. Feel free to send them our way. Also, specifically, if you're not in the U.S. and there's some urban legends that we haven't covered, let us know because these are things that we like see from closest places to us. But if there's ones in other places, I want to know about them. I feel like some of the international ones are even spookier, too. Yeah. So, Lindsay, what is your definition of an urban legend? You know, I've never thought about it before now, but I would think that my definition would be a story that is rooted in some type of truth that is relatively scary and that usually, from what I've seen, kind of enforces some like social construct. A lot of times you hear like, the man with the hook at Lover's Lane. And I would imagine that that was used to kind of keep people chased so they weren't at those Lover's Lanes, right? But I don't I don't know. What is your definition? It's kind of similar. I feel like they were made up or based loosely on something that happened so that Yeah, you can either convey a message, you could keep someone from doing something you may not want them to do, or it helps to, I guess, make something a little more mysterious or magical in a sense, like some of the urban legends surrounding weather. Yeah. Right. Or things like that. It makes it kind of magical in a sense. And then I also think that it's kind of like a game of telephone because when you see them passed down from generations to generations and someone adds a little twist and then that gets twisted even more and then you have almost a completely different story or a bunch of different notes to put with it. And I feel like some of the ones we did today are in that fashion. You know, we don't often describe it as such, but I do think that Elizabeth Bathory's story is part urban legend. Agree. In that clothed in red, bathed in blood, that sounds like, I don't know, six rounds of telestrations later, right? Like, <laughs> like we're getting something different. Yeah. And it's someone's interpretation, too. Yeah. And then when they tell it to their kids or tell it to their friends later on, it has their little twist to it. Exactly. So the definition on Merriam-Webster is an often lurid story or anecdote that is based on hearsay and widely circulated as true. What strikes me as surprising from the definition is that there's no social element to it, right? That like it reinforces something when I feel like a lot of times it does like stay off of lover's lane, lock your doors, come home when the streetlights come on, don't play on train tracks. Yeah. And with that, let's talk about why you shouldn't play on train tracks. So we're going to start with the Goatman of Pope Lick Creek in Kentucky, also known as the Pope Lick Monster. I've never heard of this one. And I have family that has lived in Kentucky, and I've never heard of it. I don't have family that lives in Kentucky, and I've never heard of it. 
I was like looking at different urban legends. Apparently goatmen are a thing. So expect that in other urban legends, we might be talking more goatmen. I personally want a Goatman versus Chupacabra episode where we discuss who would win. Is this because of the comment I made to you? It is. It absolutely is. Amanda was like, Goatman, Chupacabras, that's what they eat. And I was like, <gasps> well, I said the reason I probably haven't heard of it is because the Chupacabra probably ate all the Goatmen around here. Yeah. And so now I... No, I actually, Amanda, in this moment, I'm demanding that in a future episode, we gather Goatman lore and Chupacabra lore, and we have a debate as to who would win. All right, let's do this. <laughs> I would like to know everyone's predictions. Let us know. Maybe we'll have, we'll do a poll as well after the show. We can see if there is a consensus on who would win. But anywho, we're not talking about any old goat man. We're talking about the goat man of Poplick Creek, which I love, by the way, that name, full name. So what does he look like? Well, he's half a goat and half man, goat man. Some say he also has just a touch of sheep mixed in there as well. He has muscular legs covered in coarse, dark hair. So he didn't skip leg day. Okay. And that that coarse hair is kind of all over his body, but not all over his body, just like around. And that his face is like very, very white and he has sharp horns and cloven hooves and human strength. And he can run up to 60 miles per hour, which is impossibly fast. Yeah. I am just imagining like the hoof sound. You know what I mean? Like as he's running along. Yeah. 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 Which then reminds me of the coconuts from Monty Python. And they would have to furiously (laughs) click, 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 clack them. So let's take a moment and talk about where he lives. He lives underneath a train trestle near Poplick Creek. And I did not know what a train trestle was before this. Did you? No. So when you see a train... And it's like on a bridge-esque thing okay. that is only for that train. That's a train trestle. Interesting. Okay. So you'll notice those do not have sidewalks for people because people shouldn't be up there. So people do go up there. And so folks say, one, that he can hypnotize you so you go up there and then you fall. Or that two, that he'll mimic the voices of children or people who you know to basically like lure you up there and then pull you down. I don't like either of these options. No. It also reminds me of like unrelated fully, but how coyotes can like mimic sounds of like friendlier creatures. Did you know that? Um, No, they always sound like they just killed everything outside my backyard. So no, one of my very good friends, she has a lot of land and she had outdoor cats and the coyotes started making cat noises, like kitten sounds so that the cats would go into the woods to find the kittens. Weird. So that they could eat them. No, they're always just screaming in the middle of the night here. Well, that's also terrible. Yeah, it is. So some say that he even sometimes chases cars and that there's damage. Like if he's chased a car, some people have reported that they're missing the door handle or that there have been scrapes on the car. And specifically that he chases cars who drive underneath the trestle at midnight. Farmers have also experienced missing and killed livestock, and they blame the goat man. But that also sounds like it could be so many predators, foxes, yeah, coyotes, as we mentioned, whatever else is native to Kentucky. So there's one Jeffersonian resident that says the legend is when you're running across the trestle, goat man will reach up and grab your legs and hold you down until the train comes by. And that's the way he gets his revenge. For like trespassing? 
No. Let's get into that revenge. So there are several different origin stories from him. So the legend has been passed down from generation to generation. And there was even a local filmmaker who made a movie about him in 1988. And I think that the most prevalent theory of his existence is that he was from a circus sideshow and he was ridiculed and he escaped when the circus train crashed. But so I read one account that was surprisingly detailed, which makes me question its validity. Interesting. But I'm still going to tell you. So legend has it that Colonel Beauregard, who was not affiliated with the U.S. military in any way, was ringmaster and owner of a traveling circus that went through the Deep South starting in the 1930s. And this guy was an asshole. He was thought to be a thief. He would cheat people. And he was a con man. His crew was made up of people with equally questionable morals. Wherever the circus went, there would be a string of thefts, missing persons, and accidental deaths that were pretty heinous, but also didn't seem that accidental. Okay. So at one point, they stopped in Beltsville, Maryland during a storm. And the circus's bearded lady, Madame Bristels, found a crate outside of her tent. And what was inside? But a tiny infant with stubs jutting out of its head with legs that were kind of differently shaped and cloven hooves rather than feet. She brought him in from the storm to feed him and to take care of him. So Colonel Beauregard saw him and was like, oh, I'm going to make money off of him. And he took the child from her and put him in a cage. The child grew up in the cage and he was only allowed out when he was performing. As he grew and got bigger and stronger, he was physically abused by the colonel and the other circus employees, so he would stay obedient. And he was only fed scraps and gruel, per the legend. When passing through Fisherville, Kentucky, lightning struck the train tracks and caused the train to derail right before it reached the Poplet Creek trestle. So it goes down, and there's this horrendous crash. There were remains found from up to two miles from the crash, so pretty far. So it's thought that the goat man survived the crash, got out, and then maimed the people who had imprisoned him. Fair. And that like one of the reasons why there was remains so far away was because he hunted them and killed them. Got it. And then he came back. Colonel Beauregard's remains were never found. Ooh. Creepy. So that's why he wants a vengeance against every old human. So he's generally thought to be underneath that trestle, just hanging out. Some think that he lives in an underground cave. And folks believe if you walk on the trestle... That's the only way you'll see him. Okay. Oof. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> so some other things to note. Some think that during the 1970s, a local farm was bought by a group of Satanists who worshipped him because he looked like Baphomet. Local historian David Dumian said, The goat man arose as a tale of a local farmer back in the day. He tortured a herd of goats for Satan and signed a contract with him and forfeited his soul. In the process, he was converted into this terrible creature that was sent to live under the trestle, seeking revenge on people. That's crazy that he has two pretty big origin stories. Yeah, yeah. So there are various death and injuries that have occurred at the trestle, but not all can be attributed to folks search for him because there are deaths that are linked to him conclusively, which I think is one of the interesting things about this particular urban legend is that people have died, but they've died looking for him because they're playing around on train tracks. Yeah, you'll fall and die. You'll fall and, yeah, or you'll get hit by the train. Yeah. And unfortunately, that is what happened. So in 2019, Savannah Bright was 15 and she was hit by a train when she was looking for the goat man. Her friend was also hit, but she survived. In 2016, 26-year-old Raquel Bain died when she was struck on the tracks when she also was looking for the goat man. 
her boyfriend was with her and he kind of dangled on the ledge trying to like stay up because it's pretty high up. Yeah. And he was able to like hang on enough and he saw her get hit and then fall. Oh, no. Yeah. And like articles about his experience, like he describes being mentally crushed because like one, losing someone who you care about deeply, terrible, watching it happen, equally terrible. So the trestle carries heavy freight trains that cross it daily and they can't stop quickly. And there's no passenger walkway because no one should be up there. And that's one of the things there's actually quite a bit of debate about is that folks are going up there, regardless of whether there's locks, there's signs, there's fences. People are still going up there. And so should they add a place for pedestrians to be, even though they shouldn't be there so that they don't get hurt? Wouldn't a camera suffice? Like if they wanted to make like a goat man camera that people could just like view and see. It's thought that you can only see the goat man if you're actually on the trestle. Okay. So he blocks cameras. (laughs) Well, yeah, but also I don't know. He hypnotizes cameras. I don't know. Maybe. That's the lore. But creepy. it's interesting because like they're like, no, we're not going to build it. And there's a lot of other states that have Goatman legends too, including Maryland. And I believe the Maryland Goatman is a little bit close to Beltsville. Uh huh. Which is interesting because, like, were they twinsies? Well, from my research, there's a lot of Goatmen in the US. Right. Does he have siblings? Yeah, maybe cousins. Okay. Okay. And it's also like when you describe this creature, you know what it sounds like to me. Sounds kind of like a Sasquatch. Real big, real hairy. I feel like when I think Sasquatch, I don't think a hairy face hairy everything else Hmm, okay but a sasquatch would have feet i guess and not hooves yeah well that is the pope lick creek goat man and the pope lick monster Lindsay's fascinated with goat men now pope lick and pope lick pope lick (laughs) love it so the next one comes out of wyoming and it's called the platte river ship or the ship of death and the platte river is between torrington and alcova wyoming Legend says that the ship of death continues to sail upon the sometimes dangerous waters. And it's pretty much a phantom ship. When you see it, it rises out of a strange mist and then it also turns into a fog. So you'll see like a rolling fog when it's coming. And as the ship appears closer to you, people report that its sails and masts are covered in frost. Hmm. Then as it comes closer and closer, you start to see the crew and the crew was also covered in frost. And when they get closer, you see that they're sort of like huddled in a circle and they're surrounding a corpse that's lying on a sheet. So imagine the ship is coming closer. Little by little, it sails kind of turn or move in such a way where you can start seeing the crew. Then you see the crew next to a dead body and you're like, what is happening? So it's said that the ship foreshadows the death of someone who will die the same day that it is seen. And as it comes closer, the crew members will step back and the corpse will essentially reveal its identity. You'll see who it is. And the viewer always knows who the corpse is. So it's always someone that they know they're close to. Yeah. The first sighting was recorded in 1862 by Leon Weber, and he was a trapper. He saw the corpse as his fiancée, whose name was Margaret Stanley. She later died that same day, completely unexpected. In 1887, Gene Wilson, who was a cattleman, saw the ship. He saw his wife as the corpse. He also noticed that her face had burns. And then later that day, she died too. In 1903, Victor Hebe saw the ship as he was chopping down a tree. 
His story did vary in some articles, but in all of them, the body that he saw was of a friend that he knew. Some of the stories, though, in this particular case, say it wasn't just the corpse laying, you know, between the people. It's that he heard a voice claiming that he was innocent. And then another voice respond, well, we need to carry out our duty. And then after hearing that, he sees the gallows kind of appear on the forward deck. And then he sees a body hanging from the gallows. And that body was his friend's body. His friend, before this happened, in his opinion, had been wrongly convicted of murder. But he had escaped from prison. Victor discovered later that day that his friend had been captured and then put to death. Eerie. Super creepy. Anything with like a ghost ship, though, is kind of unsettling, right? Yeah. So all sightings had someone die that same day. Any attempt to photograph the ship usually ends up with a photo that's either solid gray or you only see a weird white haze. And what people caution others to do is if you see this ship start to appear, it's best not to look at it and you want to run away to save your loved one. I was trying to find if there were any recent sightings of the ship. And unfortunately, I couldn't find any published stories, but there have been rumors of sightings or rumors of the fog and the mist coming. So a lot of people are just so afraid when they see fog or mist near this area. They don't look. I mean, I wouldn't. No, I would be like, no beef, no beef. (laughs) But I wonder too, like how frequently fog is in that area. And like if someone looks at the river and they're like, oh, it's foggy. And then they just like little blinders, like, yeah, (laughs) put their hand over their head and walk away. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's super creepy. But yeah, any ghost ship, any creepy thing on any sort of open water freaks me out. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so our next one comes from North Dakota, and it's the mini wash two. And I have to tell you, I love them. They're cute. They're cute? Look, say what you want. I know. But it's a cute little monster. It's got like one big eye and a horn. I like it. I do. (laughs) Despite everything else. So let me tell you about it. It's seven to nine feet tall. A little monster. (laughs) Yeah, and it's a Missouri River monster from North Dakota. So it's going to hit a couple states. So it's got elk life hooves and some say human hands, which like, are you already drawing like this in your mind? <laughs> I am. Like, I am loving this. So one man said that it had hair all over like a buffalo, which I've never compared anything to a buffalo, but OK. Well, maybe in that area. OK. And like a bunny, a cat, a mammal. Well, clearly you haven't been to North Dakota where the buffalo roam. That's true. That's true. North Dakota seems like a place where there's a lot of buffalo. I have never been there either. I'm just... I also have never been there. It's not really on my list. It's not not on my... Honestly, I want to go everywhere. I am fine skipping some states. With the exception of Arizona in the summer. Yeah, no one should be here. Okay, so he also said it was red in color and that had one eye in the middle of its forehead and a single horn. Its backbone stuck out and was jagged like a saw. That man later went on to go blind and die. We all die, though. So who knows? Maybe that's not bad. Some say it also roars, but that it's so loud that it'll burst your eardrums. That sounds horrible. I don't like that. So legend says that if the creature... Do you like that? I do. I like it. That's a new one that we're going to keep in. Legend says. It's like a 900 number. The sexy (laughs) phone numbers. I don't know. (laughs) Is that a thing anymore? I don't know. I feel like the internet exists. So like... No. (laughs) I guess people still do that, though. I don't have television that has commercials because I just have streaming services. 
So I don't know like what 2 a.m. commercials are like anymore. Anywho, that's not what we're talking about today. Because I was just saying like that's what that voice would be if that's who I was. Yeah. Okay. But not in this version of my life. Who knows what the future will hold? So legend says that if the creature is seen during the daytime, that person will go crazy and would writhe with pain until they died. Others say that you'll go blind, insane, and then you'll die. Some say that the the secret sauce is you've got to look it in the eye and then you'll go insane. The one eye. Yeah. The one eye. It's looking right at you. So the story started before Europeans began settling in America. Few witnesses have lived long enough to pass along the tales that they've seen, but there is writings about it. So one publication that is shared quite a bit that talks about this is by Melvin Randolph Gilmore, who was a one-time curator for the North Dakota State Historical Society. And this writing was from 1921. And he said, let me get my voice ready. It is said that in the long ago, there was a mysterious being within the stream of the Missouri River. It was seldom seen by human beings and was most dreadful to see. It is said that sometimes it was seen within the water in the middle of the stream, causing a redness shining like the redness of fire as it passed up the stream against the current with a terrific roaring sound. So people believe it still lives in the Missouri River and then swims upstream in the springtime against the current and breaks up the ice in the river, which seems helpful and kind. And that's what it's doing with that horn. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm thinking is when we were talking about how the story changes over time. I wonder if it was like a cute way to say when the the river starts to unfreeze and like turn back into water and they'd be like, the river monster came and then they could, I don't know, fish again or do something. And then little by little, they like didn't want their kids to go near the river. And they're like, the river monster will do this to you. And then little by little, it like kept evolving into this crazy, creepy, giant creature. But what about that roar? Well, that was added later because it was hard work. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> they, they needed something else and they were like, ah, I know. Yeah, to make sure. Well, to keep them away because they'd be like, well, I'll just look away. And they're like, well, no, because it would be too loud. Yeah. Then you'd lose your hearing. Just don't even go near the river. Yeah. Don't fuck with the river, Timmy. Yeah. Yeah. But very interesting. I had also never heard of this one. And when I looked at pictures of it, it was hilarious. I love it. Of course, we'll post pictures. (laughs) The next one is a little darker. I don't think this one's very funny at all, but it's very creepy. And I see reasons why people believe this might have been the inspiration for Slender Man. And it's called The Walking Man, Walking Sam, or The Tall Man. It has a lot of different names. This one comes out of South Dakota. And what he looks like is a slender, shadow-like spirit. And he appears and then commands teenagers to kill themselves. He's very tall. He's like seven feet tall. And uh, he has long, thin legs and arms, no mouth or nose. And then he wears a black stovetop hat. So I can see where people are going. Hey, that is Slender Man, right? Yeah. Some believe that he can control the person's mind. So that's how he gets them to harm themselves is he tells them to kill themselves. They do it. They listen. And then he's essentially collecting their souls. And then they'll join the others that hang from his arms. Very creepy. Some say he was sent to Earth as a punishment. There are other descriptions. And honestly, I think this specific urban legend is a couple different ones kind of put together because other descriptions say he's 12 to 15 feet tall. He's covered in hair, has red eyes and smells like a sewer. 
so specific. Yeah, and some people say that this even could be a type of Bigfoot. You know I love a Bigfoot. I know you love a Bigfoot, but this one just seems like, I mean, those are two totally different descriptions for something that they're calling the same thing. Yes. And there is some reasoning behind it later, too. So the origin. The roots go back, starting with boogeymen. And we also discussed what a boogie or bogeyman was in our Halloween history episode. So if you want to check that out, too, a while back. And then it was kind of brought up again when Slender Man became pretty popular, again, thinking it might have been the inspiration. It might even be the idea of what a shadow person is or like shadow people, because some people think that it is a shadow person roaming around. There are a few other names that I haven't mentioned yet. One is Stovepipe Hat Bigfoot, Takuhi, Tall Man, and then Walking Sam. He's also considered a suicide spirit. Don't love this. He's been spotted by the South Dakota Sioux and Little Eagle tribes as far back as the 70s. Those are recorded sightings. It goes back further than that. Some believe it even goes back centuries and that it's linked to other tragic events from the Native Americans all the way back to the 1800s. Some even say that he might have been present during the Wounded Knee Massacre in 1890. So some people believe that sightings of him can be a bad omen or even indicate that there is a potential tragedy on its way. Oh, so kind of like Mothman. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And I think a couple of the articles even brought up Mothman while they were talking about him. Also, as a teaser, we will be having a Mothman episode. But it will be later this year after I attend the Mothman Festival, which I am very excited about. I have a Mothman story from Arizona. Ooh, like your own? Yeah. We're intrigued. Lindsay's face lit up. She's so excited. Lit up. I did. I did. It's not a very long one. It's literally like a five second story, but very creepy. So remember how I said it could be two entities put together? Well, the reason is some believe that there's a mistranslation between the Sioux language and English. And in Lakota or Western Sioux language, they call Bigfoot Chivetanka, which means big or great elder brother. In English, it translates to the big man. So they could be talking about Bigfoot and then they're like, that's the tall man. It's uncertain. Yeah. But anyways, he, he seems to come up as a dark figure in a lot of Native American beliefs. Now, there's been a lot of recent discussions of him, and some are because Slenderman became a really big popular thing, but others are tying him to a wave of suicides on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. And this is where I'm like, it's not so much a fun topic to talk about. It's really dark and just really, really sad. But nearly a thousand suicide attempts were recorded on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation between 2004 and 2013. That is a painful, painful number to hear. Yeah, that's big. And I know it's a big area, but that is too many. Yeah. And again, you know, people want to blame something. So some people blame the urban legend, while others are like, no, it's the economic structure of the area. It's bullying kids. It's unemployment rates. There's not enough jobs. Some of the reservation children are experiencing what they called a form of post-traumatic stress from exposure to the family turmoil. It's systemic oppression. It absolutely is. Right. And I hate that folks are kind of like, it's this urban legend that's spooky. And it's like, no, it's not. It's that when you treat a group of people poorly. Mm-hmm. Bad things are going to happen. Perhaps it has a negative impact on that population of people. Exactly. Wild, right? Like a wild notion. Let's treat people like humans. 
Right. And I think it's just sometimes you need someone tangible to blame because there's so many different things pouring into what's happened to this area, right? Yeah. You know, oppression. They're not being given the right things that every everyone should be given, right? Yeah. So if you can't fight that, you're going to be like, it's the boogeyman, you know? Yeah. So it's hard. This one was a hard read because then I got into a rabbit hole of just this area and it made me really, really sad. So this area includes the county with the highest poverty rate in the U.S. And I've seen a few different numbers, but just as a general note, the life expectancy for men is below 50. Wow. And from what I read, that's the lowest in the Western Hemisphere. And it's in the U.S. You know, like you don't think of that. That's in our backyard. That's not far. That's insane. Mm hmm. I hate it. It's disgusting. Yeah. So again, I know we're talking about urban legends, but people are blaming this and it's absolutely not. So to go into it a little bit further, there was an article from April of 2015. And in February of that year, Thomas Porbear, who is VP of the Oglala Sioux Tribe, And just to note, his 24-year-old niece was one of the ones that completed suicide, too. He said that a parent came to him with a Facebook post of nooses hanging near a place called Porcupine, which is a community of about a thousand people. And tribal police took down four of the nooses that were left there. And it was left there as an invitation. I hate it. Yeah, it's disgusting. And they were relating this to the forest in Japan, too, this area, for nooses being seen on trees and just horrible, horrible things. But what's even more horrible is they never determined who was responsible. And there are rumors, though, that some of the older teens were encouraging younger ones on Facebook by leaving them messages. Like, you need to go end your life or go to a different life. I've never understood that. I've never understood, like, how that could ever be seen as a thing that is even remotely okay to do. No, it's not. It's never okay. And because all of this was happening, and again, like, this area isn't doing well. There was one article that just talked about, you know, here's places to work in this area. It was a very, very small list of places. And they're like, if you think about it, 16-year-olds and the older generations are all going for these same jobs. And so as people are aging and they're like, yeah, I got to work, I got to do things, they're not able to. Or they're getting the jobs because they're a little more mobile or, you know, a little more able-bodied at that time. And then the older generations don't have jobs. And it's just, it's like this horrible, horrible cycle in this area. And that was just one, one of the reasons. There was a laundry list of things going on in this area. There's one good thing that I did see, and again, I don't think it's going to help everything, but at least it is like a push in the right direction, is that the tribe basically reached out for help. And they had volunteer federal mental health professionals start some rotations, and they were supplementing, and hear this, the nine full-time counselors, only nine in that area from what I saw, Jeez, that worked at the Indian Health Service Hospital. Which, if you're having this much of a problem, you know, like you would think or hope that there'd be more. Yeah. But yeah, so there's nine. They had volunteers come in and it does kind of hurt my heart that it had to be volunteers. Like someone wouldn't just be like, nope, we need to fix this issue. Let's send what we need. It's who's willing to volunteer time. Yeah. That's a whole other story. But they uh, basically were encouraging students to come forward if they knew of anyone or a friend wanting to end their life, hoping to offer help and different ways of dealing with some of this. I see why people are trying to blame this walking man, walking Sam, tall man, creepy figure, but there's a lot of stuff behind it. 
And I wonder, too, if that maybe was made up as like a creepy legend saying when bad things, tragic things, horrible events happen to these Native Americans and they'd go, yep. And then the tall man was seen or something along those lines. And then little by little, it's like, well, all of this is still happening just in different ways. Yeah. And also, I would imagine that to wrap your head around like this type of loss in an area, you'd kind of have to make a boogeyman. There has to be something to blame. Yeah. And that's it. And I can't say for sure that's what uh, inspired Slenderman. But like the description is pretty spot on. It does. And like if you look up pictures of like what people say he looks like, it looks very Slenderman like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that one was very creepy. And we'll probably talk about him later. But yeah. Creepy overall, very, very sad and tragic. And like, I feel guilty that I didn't know the the lowest life expectancy for men is in our country on the Western Hemisphere. That's just wild to me. Yeah, I certainly didn't expect that at all. Mm -mm. And they had, you know, like the women's age. I believe they were a little bit older, but not by much. That's truly, truly terrible. So again, this is not our first and it definitely will not be our last of urban legends. I enjoy reading about them and there's some really fun lists about state to state urban legends too. Yeah. And like half of them I didn't know existed and then others I'm like, oh, I thought that was somewhere else. It kind of surprised me. Yes. So we'll we'll touch on more if you have a favorite urban legend. And again, like Lindsay said, even outside the country. We'd love to hear different ones around the world yeah, and research them and talk about them. So let us know. Reach out to us. All of our information's on our outro. If you're looking to support the show at all, check out our website. We have our Patreon links, our merchandise links, and tag us in your merchandise too. We want to see who's wearing it. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. For more information on our sources, please visit our website, truecreeps.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at truecreepspod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash truecreepspod, and on Twitter at truecreeps. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps. 